We're a little over two months away from opening day and less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training in Sarasota. So what better time than now to do my first opening day roster projection? I'll get to the 26 guys I think will be heading north to Baltimore on opening day coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, January 22nd, 2024, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, I'm going to do my first projection of the Orioles 2024 opening day roster. It's going to be projection 1.0. I will get you the 13 hitters, and the 13 pitchers I think will be on that opening day roster against the Angels in late March. And I'll talk about why I made the decisions, what the roster bubble looks like, and what the remaining needs are for the Orioles as you go through the roster because they still do have some time left to make a move in this offseason. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. So let's do it. You know, here January 22nd, again, we've got pitchers and catchers reporting on Valentine's Day, February 14th to Sarasota. You've got opening day in late March this year on the 28th against the Angels. It's it's all getting here soon. So let's think about what this roster could look like now. Off the top here, before I start this roster projection, just want to say that this is going off of just the players the Orioles have in the organization right now. Just the guys on the 40-man roster and the guys who are not, but, you know, prospects or others who could make this team. That's who I'm going to talk about. I decided not to try to do this in a way where I'm not only projecting the roster, but I'm also predicting the moves the Orioles make between now and opening day that that adds players to this roster and puts them on there. So you're not going to hear me say, oh, Dylan Cease or Jesus Lazardo, or you're not going to hear me say, oh, Ryan Brazier or someone like that in the bullpen will be on this team. You're not going to hear me say, hey, Ramon Arias is not on the roster because the Orioles trade him between now and opening day. I'm not going to go that far. I'm just sticking to the guys on the current roster. I think that's actually the best way to do this right now because we hope the Orioles are not done with their offseason. We hope there are more moves coming. But I think this will paint a picture of where the O's have needs as well. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But opening day roster projection 1.0 for the Baltimore Orioles in 2024. And we begin with the hitters. Now remember, 26 players now on a Major League active roster. Generally, teams will go with 13 and 13. Now you can... Go with more hitters than that. You can do 14 hitters and 12 pitchers. You can do 15 hitters and 11 pitchers if you want to. But you cannot go over 13 pitchers. And because most teams, especially the Orioles, with their offense being better than their arms, are trying to carry as many arms as possible, they're going to go with 13 hitters and 13 pitchers to split it down the middle. So let's start with the hitters. I'll begin with the locks. I believe at this point, and I wavered back and forth between eight and nine locks for hitters, but I'm going to go ahead and go with nine locks. There are nine guys that... As long as they're healthy, and this entire episode is going to presume health for all of these guys, as long as they're healthy, are going to be on the opening day roster. At catcher, the two catchers are set. It's going to be Adley Rutschman and James McCann. We know Rutschman might be the best catcher in baseball right now, going to be a huge part of this team once again. 
And James McCann, who the Orioles traded for last offseason, who had two years remaining on his four-year contract with the Mets, where the Mets paid 19 of the 24 million remaining on that contract, McCann, I thought, was a perfectly solid backup for Adley Rutschman. He did have a couple of stints on the IL, but otherwise hit a little bit, played good defense, was a veteran leader. He is locked into that backup catcher position. Then in the infield, I see there being four locks right now. Ryan Mountcastle, clearly a lock, right? We'll see how much he plays, especially against righties and especially with other guys in that lineup at his similar position. But we know Mountcastle is going to be there. Hopefully the entire vertigo issue is under control, at least as well as it can be at this point for Mountcastle. Gunnar Henderson, obviously a lock. Could be a front runner for AL MVP after winning Rookie of the Year. And then two other guys who I thought about a little bit before just blindly putting them into locks. Jordan Westberg is one of them. Yes, there's a chance, maybe, if you really want to think about it, that he could start the year in AAA, but he's just such a solid player that at worst, he's a bench utility infielder, and at best, he's an everyday starter for you. So, And he produced, right, to a solid amount in his rookie year. He's going to be on this roster. Not quite sure what his role will be yet, but he's going to be on this roster. And the other guy I flipped back and forth on, I really almost kept this guy off and went with eight locks. But at this point, I'm going to say Ryan O'Hearn is a lock. Now, you might be thinking, well, clearly he's a lock. He was one of the Orioles' best hitters last year. Breakout player coming over from the Royals. But remember, five bad years with the Royals, one good year with the Orioles. He's an impending free agent after 2024. And there are guys coming up, specifically a Heston Kerstad, who kind of do exactly what O'Hearn does, but have a higher ceiling to do it and are cheaper at this point as well. Now, I still think with what O'Hearn did, you know, they're going to make him prove to them that he's not a good hitter anymore. He's going to get that opening day roster spot, I think. So I put him down as a lock. And again, probably won't play against lefties much, but when there's a righty out there, you'll see O'Hearn, DH, first base, maybe a little right field as well. And then in the outfield, I think the locks are pretty obvious. There's three of them. It's Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, and Austin Hayes. All three of these guys have questions about their future. Santander, a free agent after this year. Hayes and Mullins, free agents after 2025. I honestly think that none of the three of them will be Orioles after 2025, and I honestly think only one of the three will even be Orioles during the 2025 season. But for this year on opening day, all signs pointing to the three of them being there, and you know we'll see how much they all play. Santander, more than others. Mullins, got to get the bat back. Hayes, we'll see. But they're going to be on that opening day roster. So that is nine locks right there for hitters. Rutschman, McCann, Mountcastle, O'Hearn, Henderson, Westberg, Mullins, Santander, and Hayes are my nine locks. Then you've got four spots remaining, right? 13 hitters, you got four spots remaining. And I'm going to put, we'll say nine players on the roster bubble for those four spots. I'd say in the infield, it's Jorge Mateo, Ramon Arias, Joey Ortiz, and Jackson Holiday. And in the outfield, it's five of them. It's Colton Kowser, Sam Hilliard, Heston Kerstad, Ryan McKenna, and Kyle Stowers would be the five guys competing for a couple of outfield spots. Now, this is where it gets pretty tough. I'm going to start by giving Ramon Arias one of the four remaining spots. I just think for Arias, yes, he could be traded. Yes, they could just feel like his time has run its course. But he's still such a good utility infielder. He had a down year offensively last year, but he was still right around league average with the bat. I think a normal Arias is a little bit better than league average. Plays really good defense at third base, at second base, and he can play first and he can play short if you need him to as well, which is a good utility guy. 
He's a reverse splits righty, which actually makes him more valuable because he's better against righties as a right-handed hitter, and you see a lot more right-handed pitchers than you do left-handers. I just think at this point, Theos could move on from him at some point. And earlier this offseason, I said, hey, if it comes down to Mateo or Arias, I'm taking Mateo. But right now, I'm putting Arias on there. And that's because I'm also putting Mateo on there as one of these four other guys to get an open spot. Now, here's the thing with Mateo. I do think that not only can you know he be a, a good backup shortstop option, a guy who can also play a little second base if you need him to, a guy who's going to pinch run right, and, and be a defensive replacement in the infield, I also think Mateo should be, and I've talked about this multiple times this offseason, working on his defense in the outfield, specifically in center field, but also in left or right. We saw him play 20 innings in center field in 2023. We saw him play a little outfield earlier than that a couple years ago with the Orioles and with the Padres before he came over to the O's. You know, it was kind of an infield outfield coming through the minors as well. And he seemed to be pretty comfortable out there. I mean, the O's put him out there in spots where it wasn't just garbage time. I mean, he started a couple of games in center field for the Orioles last year when Mullins and Hicks and Kowser were all out at the same time for different reasons. I just think the fact that Mateo, despite the fact that he was, remember the great April, after May 1st, he was the worst regular in all of baseball, statistically, was the worst hitter in Major League Baseball from May 1st on among guys that were on the roster and, and playing somewhat regularly that entire time. But despite that, he was still 8% better than league average against left-handed pitching. He still hit lefties. He can still steal bases. He's still an incredible weapon and threat when you get him on the base pass, even if it is just as a pinch runner late in the games. And I still want that on the roster. And if he can hit lefties... And that's one thing Ryan McKenna for the first time didn't do last year. He didn't hit lefties at all. That was something he was supposed to do as a right-handed bat. McKenna, his defense, yeah, it's fine, but he's not as good a runner as Mateo. And honestly, I still think, even though both struggle, Jorge Mateo is a better hitter than Ryan McKenna is. So if Mateo can show that he can play center field, I think he scoops up Ryan McKenna's spot. So I'm giving two of the four spots to Arias and Mateo, and I'm kicking McKenna off this roster. And McKenna doesn't have any options, so... I think Ryan McKenna gets DFA'd right before opening day. And to be honest with you, I don't think another team claims him. I think he clears waivers and ends up back in AAA Norfolk as depth for the Orioles. Then there's the other two infielders in Ortiz and Holiday. I just think for Ortiz, he got his chance last year. I still think in the long run, I mean, if the O's make any kind of trade, he's going to be the first guy on that list they're dealing away. But I just think he'll start the year in AAA as the shortstop slash second baseman. And I think Jackson Holiday will start the year in AAA as the other shortstop slash second baseman for the Norfolk Tides. And between those two and Connor Norby and Kobe Mayo, they'll just work them around the infield, starting them almost every day until all four of them are ready to come to the big leagues. I think for Holiday, he's going to be in the big leagues this year, but the O's for two reasons are going to keep him down. One, they're going to say, well, we want him to work on more defense at second base because when he does get to the bigs, I think second base is going to be his spot, at least for now. And the other thing is going to be, they're going to manipulate the service time. You know, if they keep him down for three, four weeks in the minors, they can get that extra year of service time, extra contract year tacked on to the end of his deal. They haven't shown anything that says they're going to extend any of these young guys, and I just think they're going to keep him down. So then we turn to the outfield with two spots remaining. I'm going to say, I already said McKenna gets DFA'd. And I just think Kyle Stowers once again starts the year in AAA. Now, it's a good sign for him that he is still on this 40-man roster, and he dealt with multiple tough injury luck in 2023. But remember, he was 2 for 30 in the big leagues when he was here last year. Like, he didn't exactly take advantage of his spot. Stowers still has a ceiling, and potentially a high ceiling, big-time power. He can hit. 
He can play a little defense in the corners. But strikeout rates are concerning. And quite frankly, he can't play center field, which is a huge knock against him because to make this roster right now, the Orioles need somebody as a backup center fielder, even though I'm saying Mateo gets that spot somewhat. If you're kicking off McKenna and keeping Mateo, you need somebody else who can at least play center a little bit. And Stowers is not that guy. Now, Heston Kerstad's not that guy either, but I'm giving him a roster spot. As hard as he hit the ball, as good as he looked those last few weeks in September after getting the call up last year, I'm not sure how the Orioles are able to fit in Santander, O'Hearn, Mountcastle, and Heston Kerstad in the lineup every single day. It's going to be tough, and they're all not going to play every single day. But Brandon Hyde has shown he's been able to do this, and he will continue to show he can mix those guys in enough to get them all regular at-bats. Kerstad, the ceiling's just too high. I'm putting him on the roster, which leaves one spot remaining for either Colton Kowser or Sam Hilliard. I'm going to give it to Sam Hilliard. I could easily see this spot going to Colton Kowser. He comes in, he looks much better. He takes a step forward in spring training, and he wins a spot, right, Kowser? Although I don't trust him a lot out there, he can play center field. The Orioles put him in center field. He's a highly ranked prospect. He's got all the tools. He's the guy. But the Orioles went and got Sam Hilliard from the Braves for a reason this offseason. He's a good defensive outfielder, can play all three positions. He's a little better in the corners than he is in center, but can solidly play center field. Got a great arm, left-handed bat with really good exit velocity and hard hit numbers that are kind of underlying. He's just never gotten the full chance to really show how good he could be at the plate. And for Sam Hilliard, who is out of options, and Kowser, who has options, I just think the O's might kind of start the year with Hilliard, with Kowser in AAA, let Colton Kowser maybe you know build up some confidence two, three weeks, a month in Norfolk mashing, and then they make the switch. Hilliard maybe gets DFA'd, whatever happens, and Kowser comes up and takes that spot. But I do think to start the year, Hilliard gets that final spot. So my 13 hitters, Adley Rutschman and James McCann as my catchers, Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn, Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, Jorge Mateo, kind of, as an infielder outfielder, and Ramona Rios as my infielders, and then Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, Heston Kerstad, and Sam Hilliard as my outfielders are the 13 hitters I've got on the opening day roster. So now we move it to the pitching side. Potentially even more questions here. And, you know, I don't think anyone would be surprised if the Orioles don't add any more hitters this offseason. But we're still kind of expecting the O's add at least one more pitcher before they get to spring training in Sarasota. But for now, these are the guys they have to work with. So who are those 13 that at this point would be on that roster? We'll get to them coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. So with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. So we're back here to predict the Orioles opening day roster. First projection of the offseason for that roster. Just went through the 13 hitters I'd be putting 
on the Orioles opening day roster at this point. Now let's get to the 13 pitchers that I think would be getting those spots. And let's start with the locks. Now I had nine locks among the hitters. I'm actually going to give you 10 locks for the pitchers, which means only three spots from the guys on the bubble. My starting pitchers who are locked up, I've got five of them depending on who you're counting as a starting pitcher. So obviously I got Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez right now trending to be one and two in the Orioles rotation. I got John Means he'll have a spot in there. And Dean Kramer did enough last year to have a spot in there too. And then for now, with the Orioles not having added, right, another starting pitcher at all this offseason, so you got to go off what they have. I'm going to put Tyler Wells as that fifth and final starting pitcher. Now, whether he's a starter, whether he's a reliever, whatever happens, Tyler Wells is going to be on this opening day roster. He'll have a role somewhere in this pitching staff. But for now, the way the roster looks, I'll put him in as a lock and as the number five starter. And then for relievers, I've got five of them as well. Yinyer Cano should factor in and be a huge setup man once again. CNL Perez, same thing for him after finishing the season. Just awesome down the stretch. Craig Kimbrell, he's going to be the O's closer, at least to start the year. O's gave him a one-year $13 million contract this offseason to replace the injured Felix Bautista, who's out after getting Tommy John surgery. Although, Bautista did say last week when the Orioles opened up their new Dominican Republic Academy that he is hoping to potentially be back near the end of 2024 if it's possible, so keep that in mind. But Kimbrell's going to be on there. D.L. Hall, I think, was impressive enough at the end of last year. He's got a bullpen spot. And then Danny Coulomb was just so solid. What a pickup throughout last year. Has one of those locked-up bullpen spots as well. So that gives you five starters, five relievers, ten locks, three spots left. And pretty much, you got your five starters, you got five relievers. So it's three bullpen spots remaining of the guys on the bubble. And for me, I would say there are ten pitchers probably on the bubble looking for three spots. Among the starters who could also slot into the bullpen if you needed them to. It's Cole Irvin, Bruce Zimmerman, and then Jonathan Heasley, who the Orioles acquired from the Royals earlier this offseason. And then among the relievers, it's Keegan Aiken, it's Brian Baker, Mike Bauman, Dylan Tate, Nick Vespi, Jacob Webb, and Tucker Davidson, who the O's brought in off waivers from the Royals and is uh, currently off the 40-man roster, but is certainly still a factor and going to be in big league spring training. Now, for the starting pitchers, yes, I have named five starters already. But I'm going to give Cole Irvin one of the three remaining spots for multiple reasons. One is, he's out of options. The Orioles sent him up and down multiple times last year in his first year as an Oriole after they acquired him in a trade with the Athletics last offseason. And Irvin was bad at the beginning, lost his rotation spot, went to AAA for a while, came back, and was better as both a starter and a reliever down the stretch for the Orioles. But what I will say is, when he's out of options, and he's a guy who, at the very least, can eat you solid innings... He's going to have a spot. And I thought when Irvin pitched in relief last year, I thought he was pretty good, honestly. And there were good starts, too. But I think how you start this year, if the Orioles do not add another starting pitcher, which is what we're playing off of here, you basically have Tyler Wells slash Cole Irvin as your number five starter because you know Irvin can easily pitch, you know, 200 innings. He got close to that multiple times with the A's. But you don't quite know what you're going to get because there were some struggles last year. On the flip side with Tyler Wells... He was the Orioles' best starter in the first half. Then the second half last year, it was an absolute disaster, and he spent most of that second half in the minors before coming up and joining as just a reliever down the stretch in September and in the postseason. And both of them, on the flip side, as I mentioned with Wells, he was a good reliever, and Irvin honestly looked good out of the bullpen too, so either guy can do either role, which tells me, hey, maybe you give Irvin some of the starts. Right, And you save Wells. You skip a couple Wells starts. You keep him fresh so he's ready to go in the second half. 
And then for Irvin, you're not going to commit to him the entire season because there could be bumps in the road. And Tyler Wells just has a higher ceiling in terms of stuff and how good he is as a pitcher. So one of those guys is the five-star to the other one is into the bullpen in, in multiple different roles for each of those guys. I think for Bruce Zimmerman and Jonathan Heasley, both guys have options. Both guys are going to start the year in the AAA Norfolk Tides rotation. Both will be on the 40-man roster, or at least Zimmerman's on the 40-man roster, but or Heasley is as well. But both guys will be on the 40-man roster and will be ready to come up at a moment's notice if they need a starter, if they need a fresh arm, whatever it may be. Then we go to the relievers. So basically two spots remaining for seven relievers that I've got on the board right now. Tucker Davidson, I'm going to cross off the list. His splitter intrigues me. It's a really good pitch. But when the Orioles claimed him on waivers, they immediately waived him and got him off the 40-man roster. So a 40-man move would also need to be made for Tucker Davidson. Now, if he impresses in spring training, like give him the spot, they'll make room on the 40-man. But it's a little tougher to get him up there. I think they want to get him to AAA Norfolk and keep working with him before he would have a spot. Nick Vespi's another guy I'm going to cross off. He will pitch. I will tell you this. He will pitch in the big leagues at some point with the Orioles in 2024. I think we all know that's going to happen, but we also all know he's not going to have like an everyday bullpen role for the O's. It's just what Vespi has been over the last two seasons in Baltimore. I think it's going to continue this year. Luckily for him, this is his final year where he has options available. The Orioles are going to make the most of them as usual, but I just don't think it's an opening day guy. So that leaves us Keegan Aiken, Brian Baker, Mike Bauman, and Dylan Tate, and Jacob Webb. Five guys for two spots. I'm going to give the first one to Jacob Webb. He is out of options, which, you know, is part of this, right? You couldn't waive him without DFAing him and losing him off the roster. And although Webb, it was a little shaky, right, and those, those outings in the postseason gave up a home run in both of them, it was not good. Remember how good Jacob Webb was down the stretch after the Orioles picked him up off waivers from the Angels? I mean, he like saved the Orioles bullpen for like three weeks there when he joined the team. It's really good stuff. There's a reason he was in the Braves postseason bullpen when they won the World Series in 2021. Like he's got good stuff. He's out of options. I just think he's a solid middle reliever to have. I think he'll bounce back and, and get a spot this year. So that leaves us Dylan Tate, Mike Bauman, Brian Baker, and Keegan Aiken for one spot. And honestly... If you're telling me all four of those guys are healthy, who's the best pitcher? I think it's far and away Dylan Tate. Like, it's not even close. But even if you're telling me right now Dylan Tate is healthy, which looks to be the case, right? He's working out a driveline looking good. You just don't know. He missed all of 2023. Missed a lot of development time. Missed a lot of time on the mound. And it was, you know, kind of shady. Like, it's an arm issue. It's a forearm issue. It's an elbow issue. But it never turned into Tommy John surgery, and it just never got better. I mean, he pitched many times on rehab in AA Bowie and AAA Norfolk, but just never looked good and never got healthy enough to get back to the big leagues, even when the O's needed him in that bullpen and just was never ready. So I have a lot of questions. And the thing with Tate is he has minor league options. He could be sent to AAA to continue to work it out and make sure he's good. Keegan Aiken, I just... The O's love the data on the fastball. That's why he's still here. I just can't do it. And then if it's down to Brian Baker and Mike Bauman, listen, they both had their ups and they both had their downs. I think Brian Baker has a higher ceiling, but I think Mike Bauman has a higher floor. And it comes down to this. Brian Baker has options remaining. He can be sent to AAA. Mike Bauman does not have options remaining. I'm giving that 13th, that final bullpen spot to Mike Bauman. And hopefully you get first half Mike Bauman and not kind of the disaster that second half Mike Bauman was for the Orioles. Now you look at all these guys that I had on the bubble, again, 10 pitchers, seven of them have options. Three of them don't. The three are Irvin, Bauman, and Webb, who I'm putting on the roster. Does that 
carry a lot of weight here? Yes, it does. However, you can still argue that Irvin, Baum, and Webb are also the best three pitchers out of those 10 guys that I just mentioned. I would say the only guy you really have an argument for is that I don't really trust Mike Bauman, and a healthy Dylan Tate and a back Dylan Tate is clearly better than Mike Bauman, but we just, there's so many questions still with Tate. I just don't want to commit to him yet, and it makes it easier to just send him to AAA because you can and give Bauman that final spot. But let me tell you, any slip ups by Bauman or Webb, they're probably getting DFA. The other thing is, you're asking, well, why does it matter that they have options? Irvin, Bauman, and Webb are all good enough that if you try to send them down, you have to put them on waivers. All three of those players are absolutely getting claimed by another team on waivers, and you're going to lose them, and you want those arms. So that's why you keep them around. Bauman and Webb, a little more expendable. I think they would hold on for Cole Irvin a little bit more because, listen, he's got two more years of team control after this. He's a starting pitcher with major league experience. That's very big for this team, especially if they're not going to spend on pitching at all. It's going to be huge to have Cole Irvin around. So those are my guys. I got making the team, again, my 13 pitchers in the rotation, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, Dean Kramer, and then a split between Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin. And then into the bullpen, you have Yenier Cano, CNL Perez, Craig Kimbrell, D.L. Hall, Danny Coulomb, Mike Bauman, and Jacob Webb, and then the other half of that split between Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin. So there are your 26 players I've got on my first opening day roster projection for the Orioles. But coming up next to finish off the pod, it's the other question. What do they still need? There is still time to add to this roster, and hopefully the O's will. But what should they do? What should they add? We'll get to that to finish off the pod coming up next. So that's it. Those are the 26 guys I'm predicting, at least at this point, as of Monday, January 22nd, with the roster the Euros currently have. Not projecting them to make any more moves, although I think they will. Those are those 26 guys I'm looking at. Again, your hitters. Rutschman, McCann, Mountcastle, O'Hearn, Henderson, Westberg, Mateo, and Arias, Mullins, Santander, Hayes, Hilliard, and Kerstad. And your pitchers are Bradish, Rodriguez, Means, Kramer, Wells, and Irvin. Then you've got Cano, Perez, Kimbrell, Hall, Coulomb, Bauman, and Webb as the 26 players in my first opening day roster projection. But now we get to the good stuff. So what do the O's still need? It's only January 22nd. Pitchers and catchers report February 14th. You still got a little less than a month to make deals. And hey, sometimes deals even get made while you're there in Sarasota in spring training. It's much less likely. You generally like to have the roster at least put together by the time you get to spring training. Let's say they got about a month at this point still to make deals. So what are the remaining needs? Number one, they need a starting pitcher. You can continue to talk about, do they really need a top of the rotation guy? or Do they just need someone... If you're someone who's saying, I'm fine with what the O's have right now. I'm fine with, you know, what I talked about. Bradish Rodriguez means Kramer with like a Wells slash Irvin as the number five. Yes, that is six major league quality starting pitchers right there. Do you really feel good with Wells slash Irvin as your number five? Like, look me in the eye and tell me. Do you really feel good about Wells slash Irvin as your number five with Basically no depth behind that. Like, you need to come in to a year with eight or nine starting pitchers. The Orioles have six if you're counting Wells as a full starting pitcher, which I don't think he can. Because back-to-back years, his body is basically given out on him after a good first half of the year as a starting pitcher. You gotta think that's gonna continue until he proves us wrong. So, I don't want to rely on Cole Irvin that much. I don't want to rely on Tyler Wells that much. I don't want to have to put D.L. Hall back into a starting role after he's 
pitching in relief for half the year. And yes, do I like, you know, Cade Povich and Chase McDermott and eventually Seth Johnson and Justin Armbruster as prospects? I do. Do I think they're ready right now? I don't. I don't think they're ready to even be like depth that you would call on almost immediately. Your depth right now that you would call on, if something happened like it did early last year, right? When when Kyle Bradish got hit in the foot by the line drive, the Orioles were able to go to Tyler Wells and then call up Grayson Rodriguez. If something like that happened, you know, you'd probably have, you know, maybe Tyler Wells is your five starter. You'd go to Cole Irvin. But your next guy after that, instead of it being Grayson Rodriguez or Cole Irvin, it's going to be Bruce Zimmerman or Jonathan Heasley. I don't feel great about one injury causing Bruce Zimmerman or Jonathan Heasley to start a game early in the year for the Orioles. I don't. So you need something. And here's the thing. At the very least, you need, I think, a number five starter. Uh, some sort of veteran type, you know, a replacement for Kyle Gibson. Maybe it's a James Paxton. Maybe it's a Hunjin Ryu. Someone like that on a one-year deal in free agency where, yeah, maybe they won't eat the 192 innings that Gibson did, but where they don't, that's where Wells and Irvin can step up and help you fill in in the rotation. And in the meantime, both Wells and Irvin can go into the bullpen. I think Wells could be even better there, and Irvin is still a nice long guy, swing guy, and can step in and start. I think combining those two with like a free agent veteran till still makes you take a step up and gets you better. But then you look at that and you say, well, either way, the Orioles, I think, need a, a starter. They need one more starter. You move Wells and Irvin to the bullpen. The team just gets better. You knock Bauman out of the pen like it's okay. You're a better team. So if you need one more starter, why not have that starter be good? Why not have that starter be a top-of-the-rotation guy? I get all the talk about, oh, Dylan C is going to cost too much. Jesus Lazardo is going to cost more than that from the Marlins, okay? If you want to go get a guy, you got to pay up. But you might as well go get a number one. Like I've seen, oh, the Orioles have a number one in Kyle Bradish. You know what the good teams have? Multiple number one starters. That makes you even better. Why not get better? So if you need a starter, yeah, a number five guy is going to be cheaper, and I get it. John Angelus isn't going to spend money, and please go read Ben Clemens' piece in Fangrass from last week. I think he had a great nuanced take about the Orioles wanting them to do something this offseason, and he established that I understand John Angelos is cheap, he's not going to spend money. But here's why the Orioles, even in that sense, aren't operating correctly. They aren't operating the best way to take advantage of how cheap all their stars are right now. They're still not doing that the right way. I think it was a really good piece. If you need a starter... Just go get the better one anyway and get another top guy. And then you have a top three of, let's say it is Jesus Lazardo with Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish. It's a pretty good top three. And then, you know, you still have questions about means. He only threw four starts last year and then his elbow hurt him again after the Tommy John. We still don't know. But then if you just need to fill two spots and you have means, Kramer, Irvin, Wells, I trust the four of them to figure it out and fill the back two spots of your rotation. That makes you feel a whole lot better at this point. I also think the O's could still use another reliever. Now, that's more so if they don't get another starter. If they do, you move Wells to the pen, you feel better. But if you don't get another starter, another veteran middle reliever, a Ryan Brazier type who the O's have been connected to at this point, it's basically like, you know, you replaced Bautista with Kimbrell. But remember last year, the Orioles still brought in Michael Givens. Now, it was a complete disaster, that signing. But let's do the version of Michael Givens on a one-year $5 million deal that actually works, and he becomes a solid veteran middle reliever for you. And then finally... Michael Elias has said it, a right-handed hitting outfielder would not hurt. All these guys you have out there, right? Kyle Stowers, Sam Hilliard, Heston Kerstet, Colton Kowser. They're all lefties. If you think Ryan McKenna's cooked, I think he is. 
if you don't think Jorge Mateo should stick on this team, it's a fair argument, even though I just put him on the team, you probably need a right-handed hitting outfielder at this point because you also got Mullins out there who's lefty too. So someone to play McKenna's role but be a little better hitter, a Tommy Pham, a Michael A. Taylor, an Adam Duvall, a Kevin Pillar, a Randall Gritchick, all those guys are out there as free agents would be very cheap one-year deals, would help the depth of your team and make the team better. So yes, the O's still have moves to make, and hopefully they do so, and my projections start to look different as we get closer to opening day. But that'll do it for today's episode. Hope you enjoy the background. Finally got it all set up after the move. There'll probably be a couple more things shifting around, but got the O stuff going on behind me. Hope you enjoyed the big Ravens win on Saturday as well. And I'll be back with you later this week. Looks like we're coming back on Wednesday. We got a couple more exciting episodes this week. Arm Layton of Just Baseball Media is going to join us actually for two episodes this week. One is going to be about the Orioles system and where it stands at this point. And the other one is going to be about Orioles-Marlins trades. What would it take for the O's to go get a Jesus Lazardo? What would it take for the O's to maybe get a Braxton Garrett or a Trevor Rogers or even an Edward Cabrera? We'll talk about all that with Aram coming up later this week on the pod. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles podcast on YouTube. Leave a rating and a review wherever you listen and join us back here later this week. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly... Everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.